Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Listen, surrounding yourself with other high-capacity leaders is so important right now. It's always important in every season, but you know what? In this season, it's ramped up even more. And why is that? Because there is so much uncertainty. And when there's uncertainty, you need uh, to make even better, more well-informed decisions. And so when you're connected with leaders, you end up making um, you know, more connections with the content that you're processing and ultimately make more well-informed decisions. Kerry Newhoff created the Leader Circle back in March 2020. It's an inner circle of high-capacity leaders who have direct access to him and to one another. Over the last few months, this tribe of high-capacity leaders has navigated the transition to becoming a digital organization, to managing a, re- to a remote team, the complexities of reopening, advancing your mission through uncertainty, through dialogue and Q&A that are at the heart of the Leaders Circle. The Leaders Circle gives you access to carry and to a group of high-capacity leaders through live monthly Q&As and a private Slack channel. On top of that, each month, the group focuses on one carefully sculpted piece of content to help you and your team work through the struggles that every organization faces. It's your staff training done for you every month. Listen, if you want to stop leading alone and start leading together, apply now to join the Leader Circle. This thing is closed to the public, but he's opened up just a few limited spots as an exclusive offer to you, Unseminary listeners. If you want to apply to help more, just text my name, Rich, that's R-I-C-H, to 33777. That's Rich, to 33777. All right, let's jump in with today's episode. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. You know, every week we bring you uh, different church leaders, experts to you uh, to really help you wrestle through some issues at your church to inspire you, equip you. And today is going to be no exception. We've got Pastor Michael Volboda from Brentwood Baptist Church. This is a fantastic church in the greater Nashville area. Uh, and I'm just so excited to have you on the show today, Michael. Thanks for being here. That's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Why don't we start with you telling us about Brentwood? Give us a sense of the church, the story. Uh, what, what? Tell us about Brentwood. Sure. Well, Brentwood Baptist has been around for about fifty years. Uh, we've had two pastors, uh, each of them for uh, about twenty-five years each. In fact, our current pastor is, I think, is inching up towards thirty years at the moment. Uh, he's a visionary. He's a dreamer. He's got tons of ideas, and so the the. Uh, the Rolling Stone gathers no moss, as they say. And uh, so I came on about six years ago, and we had launched our second campus, and we're preparing to launch a third, which quickly turned into a fourth and a fifth. Uh, and so we <laughs> we went from two to five campuses in 2014, uh, not by uh, design, but I think probably by God's providence. And so mm. uh, that set us on a growth trajectory. We've added uh, three more since then. We're now up to eight. Uh, some of those have been mergers. Some of those have been launches from an internal launch team, uh, each one with its unique, uh, personality. We have live preaching. And so that adds another uh, layer of complexity and, uh, uh, what we like to call customization or, uh, contextualization. Uh, each Mm -hmm. campus is a little different, uh, all, all over the greater Nashville area. Uh, and so, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, no shortage of 
changes and things happening. And, uh, and even more recently went through a, a pretty significant restructuring of our internal staff. We just realized that growing to eight campuses, we still function in some ways like a two campus church. And those are very, very different paradigms. And so, uh, yeah, we're mostly, we're just running as fast as we can to keep up with what God is doing. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's so much we could dig into uh, there. One of the things that, you know, listeners, you might be aware that only 50% of multi-site churches get beyond uh, three locations. And so the fact that Brentwood has got to eight is, uh, is, is unique and rare and something that we can all learn from. I wonder, you know, one of the things that you said there kind of caught my eye, uh, caught my attention when you talked about, Hey, each of these eight campuses, you're, you're, you are Brentwood Baptist, you're pushing in the same direction, but you do offer, um, you know, a level of customization, a level of kind of uniqueness to them. I, how do you, so why don't you flesh that a little bit more? What does that look like? Give us a kind of an example of what that looks like um, or help us kind of think through, um, you know, what is that, what is that like for you at Brentwood? Sure. I think the, the, the big driver of that is there are churches who do multi-site well in a video venue uh, model that was just not going to fit for us um, for, for a variety of reasons. We did lots of research to kind of see which churches were doing things well and the, the live preaching model really resonated with us best and a chance to develop leaders and new communicators and that sort of thing. And, and Nashville is, uh, is a, a pretty unique place. So um, even within maybe a 20 square mile footprint, we have East Nashville, which is funky hipsters, handlebar mustaches, you know, gays, homeless. <laughs> you, when, you, when you think of uh, hipster Nashville, that's it. And then we have uh, Brentwood, which is um, a suburb of Nashville, but it is one of the highest uh, socioeconomic areas in the country. I think it's not top six or seven in terms of per capita income and things like that. So then you go to Franklin, which is more of a bedroom community. And then we have a campus in Spring Hill, which is uh, starting to feel a little more rural. And so we have to find a way to do church uh, in a way that actually can appeal to a pretty wide uh, range of people. And so that's, I think, partly why live preaching worked for us. And so there are some things that are aligned across campuses. The preaching schedule uh, and preaching calendar is one of those. The preaching team, all those uh, eight campus pastors meet together every Monday and they've got their sermons planned out for a whole year so that our communications team can can have marketing and uh, and sermon graphics and other things alongside that. So that's, that's pretty well aligned. Uh, there are a couple times during the year where the the campus pastors get a, you know, what your campus pastor wants you to know, maybe a three to five week gap, but you can't really go off the reservation and just wake up on a Sunday and say, you know, I'm going to uh, make up my own today. That's, that's one of those things that we've sure. said, that's a, that's kind of a non-negotiable. Um, and we have right. some, some other things that we've tried to be careful about. We're not a, not a franchise cookie cutter type model where everything looks exactly the same. And in fact, mm -hmm. e even every campus has a different name we've chosen a name that reflects the community. So if it's the town of Nolansville, church at Nolansville. Uh, if it's mm -hmm. uh, the the neighborhood in East Nashville called Lachlan Springs, it's the church at Lachlan Springs. And Brentwood Baptist is the parent organization, but that's a, kind of on the fine print at the bottom of the logo, if you will. Sure. Because uh, we sure. want to be able to give as, as close to a customizable experience as you can. So I, I like to think of it as the 10th amendment of the constitution, <laughs> the, the powers that are not specifically defined for the federal government are reserved for the states. And so we've had to be very careful to say, these are the things we all hold in common, but if, if, if it's not on this list, then it's fair game for you to try to, to be creative and customize. 
Well, I'd love to dig into that. You know, I've uh, so a part of what it's, I find fascinating about Brentwood is um, you have been able to maintain a strong alignment but then have from teaching and in, I love that 10th amendment uh, analogy, you know, there's, there's a fair amount of creativity among, among that, uh, your group. How are you doing that? What does that actually look like functionally? How as a kind of core leadership team, ensuring alignment or working towards alignment with uh, your various campuses and as a church as a whole, really? Yeah, and that was one of the pressure points that I mentioned earlier that led to the to the restructuring of the staff. I think we realized uh, we were having uh, a lot of great ideas, but how can we all actually be rowing in the same direction at the same time on some of these big things? And so we uh, clarified our mission, vision, and values. Our mission statement is engaging the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus anytime, anywhere with anybody. And we have some very specific ways we do that. And we came up about uh, two years ago um, with a new approach to strategic planning and ministry alignment uh, that we call OKRs. That's not our uh, idea. I didn't, didn't if definitely didn't invent that myself. Uh, it comes from a great book by John Doerr, D-O-E-R-R. Uh, and the title is Measure What Matters. And this is a, a tech entrepreneur. He was instrumental in getting Google and some other uh, early tech companies up and running. And the OKRs idea is objectives and key results. You set some very clear objectives for what you want to accomplish. You lay out some specific, measurable, key results that you can measure along the way. And then you basically drive all activity and focus and emphasis towards those things. And we had a strategic planning process before, it, and, and it, was, it served us fairly well. But uh, like I said, we went quickly up to eight campuses, and it, we were sort of collapsing under our own weight. And so that's really uh, um, something we adopted last year. Uh, and then, mm-hmm. you know, um, that has been really helpful, I think, to bring some more clarity and focus. And if, if you think of the, if it's a big ship with a small rudder, you know, that analogy, we well, got to build a bigger rudder. You've got to find a way to actually pivot and turn. And so we are not just passively, uh, you know, uh, subject to the, to the, uh, the bureaucracy of our church. I mean, as we grow larger, we have to be more nimble and more simple. And so that's really what helped us get some focus. Yeah, this is good. I'd I'd love to dig in on this because I think this is one of those areas where, you know, we have a lot of executive pastors. That's what, uh, that listen to this, this podcast, not exclusively that, but a lot of folks who sit in that seat, that's my own background. That's really my heart for the church. And I think we do um, may look at a a system like OKRs and where we we, str- we stumble is um, we see like, okay, that sounds like a great thing. I'm not sure how that translates into the church world. Help help us make that translation. So why don't we pull apart, um, you know, the difference between objectives, key results, give us some examples of, of how those, uh, those function. Um, let's start with that. Sure. I think the the book is extremely helpful, and there, that's not the only book out there, by the way. That's just the one we found helpful. Uh, but yep. but of all the things that the church could be doing, and there's you know hundreds, thousands of different ministry opportunities in your community. Where do you focus your vision? Where do you focus your energy? Uh, the the way to start is to just ask yourself: of all the possible things we could focus on, what are the most critical? What are the most mission critical? What are the most important? And those begin to help you understand what is an objective. So for us, we had a five-year vision. As I told you, our pastor's a a visionary. 500,000 gospel conversations. 
10,000 disciples making disciples and a hundred healthy congregations, not campuses. Somebody heard, somebody heard campuses when we originally said that and they passed out. We don't want a (laughs) hundred campuses. Yes. Yes. Uh, But wow. Um, how do we even begin to think about that? And it honestly, it took us a year of just, um, I think trying different things before we really landed on OKRs and got some traction. And so the first year, it was very simple. We had three OKRs. One was about gospel conversations. One was about disciples making disciples in groups. And one was about healthy congregations. And we tried to take this giant vision uh, and and somewhat overwhelming numbers of 500,000 and 10,000 and 100 and break it down. And so we had, well, what do we need to do? We need a better training process for how to have gospel conversations. I don't think our church fully understands what that means. We need to help them see themselves as missionaries where they live, work, and play. And so some of our objectives uh, and and the key results were around uh, equipping our people. And and I can give you a, a sample copy of what those were. And you can, I mean, you can, you can, you can share that with the audience. I think it helps to really see, okay, how does that actually trickle down? But but that's really what we started to come up with was what are those things we need to do, those irreducible minimums of our mission, and what are those key steps that absolutely need to happen? And, and then let's start putting some dates on those, and let's start holding ourselves accountable. Yeah, so I've actually got that document open in front of me here. I think this is a super helpful, and we'll include this in the in the show notes, friends, so you can download it, take a look. I think it, it does help to really flesh this out. Um, so I, I love the idea of you know objectives are organizational um, in nature; they're driving the kind of behavior of our teams, staff, and otherwise. Um, and then key results ultimately are owned by individuals. Is that is that true? Is that am I understanding that distinction uh, clearly? Yeah. And, and again, I, I don't want to set myself up as the expert. I think we no, have no, our yeah, own yeah. version of that. Uh, but yes, you know what? There's, yes. a, there's a ton of ways to do it. I think for us, yep. what we did is we started with church-wide, three objectives, yep. and those had some really big, um, some, some high-level key results that we would all contribute to. And then we actually yep. had those trickle down. And each campus came up with their own uh, customized version so if we have a goal to have this many people equipped through our gospel conversations training for the whole church, what is your campus's portion of that? And how, what are you going to be uh, running towards to try to get your people engaged in this? And so each campus was actually able to create some of their own. And in addition to those three, we allowed them to do one or two custom, so something unique for them. And uh, so it doesn't have to be that the objective is church-wide and the key results are individuals. Uh, for us, it actually goes down a third level. So we have church-wide OKRs, we had campus-level OKRs, and then we had individuals. Uh, So uh, all of our staff individually, uh, ministers, pastors, administrative assistants, uh, everybody has uh, individual objectives and key results that they create for themselves, which should align. And so what that allowed us to do is if if you're pulling on the lever, to try to get something to move and, and it's not moving. You need to have the lever go deeper down into the organization. And so these right. uh, key results um, were really allowed us to p- have a lever that went way down into the heart of the organization, down to the individual level. And uh, and then with, with everybody rowing together, everybody moving towards the same goals, the church-wide campus and individual OKRs really gave us a chance to pivot towards something else. And it, and it drives the, uh, the, the attention and the focus all the way down to the individual level. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, how how are you using OKRs in your team management? What is that actually looking like? I'm assuming it becomes a part of your one-on-one conversations, team discussions. What what does that look like? 
Yeah, it's nice to put on the wall, right? But mm-hmm. you've got to follow up. You've got to reinforce, uh, as my dad always says uh, when I was a kid, I'm going to inspect what I expect. Uh, and so uh, that really became integrated into our performance reviews and you know, a regular part of staff meetings when you talk about the progress and when you're thinking about you're leading a team and you're thinking, what are our, what are our priorities for the week or for the month? You know, what, what is it that I'm trying to do next? Okay, well, what's next on the key results? And that's what we need to focus on next. And so the, uh, it just became a natural part of the conversations uh, of performance reviews. We already had rev- a review system in place, and this just really got integrated into that. And so when you sat, sat down, for us, it's three times a year. Uh, the, the first two are more like check-ins, you know, a um, little more informal than the third one is the, the year-long comprehensive annual review. But those uh, played big in in those conversations. And if somebody was ahead or behind, uh, then you got to you got to figure out why and and dig in a little bit more. But it gave some clear metrics for how to start uh, evaluating performance as well. And and another another thing that was a, a bit of a shift for us is the key results, uh, at least as they're presented in the book, can be flexible. And so you we got to the first check in. And maybe we we were behind. Uh, well, let's adjust. And so uh, we tend to be more of an achievement culture. Like that's that's seen as failure. Oh, well, we didn't hit our goal. Well, uh, some of these are stretched. You know, these are these are dreams, and we've got to push ourselves. And if we fall a little bit short, that's okay. Let's regroup and and let's rethink what the key results need to be for this next reporting period. Um, right. Yeah. And so for us, it was it was a way to have high level uh, aspirational goals. Uh, but also push ourselves to reach them. Now, make the connection for us between um, OKRs and then the ability to have campuses have a bit of their own flair. How do you see those two connecting together? Because I could see this system actually driving in the opposite direction, where it's where it actually drives towards you know more like you were saying the kind of franchise or more of a cookie cutter approach. How are you using this system to actually help? you know, individual campuses be still aligned, but have their own local, you know, expression. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a constant tension. Um, and, <laughs> yes. and we're okay with that. We're not afraid of it. We're not. And in fact, Hey, let's yep. be honest. We chose that for ourselves, right. Of, of, yes, the, op, yes. of the many options of multi-site uh, is very, it's <laughs> very like us. We chose the most complicated way to do it. Uh, but we believe it has the best results and, and exactly what you said. There are some things that we do the same. And in this case, it was the first three objectives. They were the same. The the one for gospel conversations, the one for disciples making disciples, which is through groups, and the idea of healthy congregations. And then they were able to come up with two of their own, each campus that was unique. And so for our Brentwood campus, which is, uh, I would describe it as our flagship campus, if you will. Uh, sure. We resist the word mothership, but you know, it's the first one. It's the largest well, they have a unique, uh, unique community that they're in, um, and wanted to really heavily emphasize families and the idea of reaching, uh, the families in our community, because there were just some things going on in, in the community. And we realized yeah, marriages, families, other things, we, we have a real opportunity here. And so the Brentwood right. campus was able to create OKR number four, that was different. And we had another campus, you know, 20 minutes down the road, and there was one particular area of of that side of town that was growing really quickly, tons of houses going in, but it was they we just could not figure out how how do we get a foothold in there to, to maybe reach some lost people and no one from that side of town seemed to be attending that campus. And so their objective number four was 
a strategic plan for how to reach that and starting small groups in those communities and in those homes and mm. that sort of thing. So not that we don't all still support that the top line mission and vision, but what does it look like for that campus to engage the whole person with the whole gospel anytime, anywhere with anybody? Well, it's it's this way. And so that's where we were able to give them some autonomy. The campus pastors have a chance to lead out and they each have a unique vision and perspective for how to take what we do well as a church and contextualize it for their community. And so then it was on them. Well, this is your chance to be a leader and to step out and to create some plans for how you want to do that in your specific area. And then again, they're judged on that, right? They're evaluated on how well they did. Um, So it was actually a way to balance both of those. We have some things in common. We're all trying to do these, but you have a chance to decide what are some of unique priorities for your campus. Yeah, I know for for long time on seminary listeners, we did for a while, we were doing a series, a monthly series called All About Multisite. And it was a monthly roundtable discussion. The premise of it was, you know, multi-site church leaders send in their questions. And then I had a panel of multi-site leaders who would kind of answer that question. Well, we I think we did about 10 months of these. And at, literally every month, it was the same question. We we got inundated with ex- literally the same question from dozens and dozens of leaders. And it was the campus central conversation, right? It's that, well, what do we hold, you know, together? And what are we, and it was, it, they were all just variations on the same question. So ultimately we, we we stopped that podcast because I'm like okay we've answered that question now ten times um, but it's it's an issue uh, for sure for everyone that's that's in multi site I, I wonder so we're obviously we are in the I don't know what you call this the intra COVID period you know we're we're we've come out of the kind of first whatever that was phase and now we're into kind of where we are now how has um, your OKR process helped you? to step through this season, you know, we've all, I hate to use the P, the P word, we're almost 20 minutes in and we haven't yet to say pivot. Um, you know, how did it help you through that phase? The kind of like, okay, everything gets thrown on the wall. We're trying new things. I'd love to hear how um, OKRs related to, you know, when there was such a major shift in the environment, uh, what, what, what impact did that have uh, on, on the, how you led particularly your staff team? Well, if somebody has this figured out and can write a book really quick, I'm sure they would, they would do well. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. And I was on a I was on a, a video call yesterday with a network of executive pastors um, of other kind of similar sized and you know our our co- colleagues, and we were all just laughing at the end. Um, it's so comforting to know that nobody knows what they're doing uh, on this call. Yes. Like we are all just <laughs> grasping because. God is sovereign, even over our confusion and uncertainty. Um, and so I, I wish I had a better answer for you, um, simply because we're all figuring this out. But the, the benefit uh, of the OKR approach is, is, as I said before, you're actually able to um, reshuffle, tweak, uh, adjust the key results. I think as a church, uh, what we are trying to do hasn't changed. We still want to engage people to have gospel conversations. We still want them to be in groups, and we still want to figure out how to have uh, how to how to start more healthy churches. But what it looked like was then all of our training programs. Uh, we ex- sort of assumed they'd be in person, right? We we were going to do gospel conversations training on campuses, and um, well, <laughs> that didn't happen. And so. Uh, well, quickly, okay, let's put some digital resources online then, and let's try to do that some other way. And we're actually right now in literally, I, I was in a, a meeting on Thursday, uh, which is just a few days ago, uh, earlier this week, 
about this very topic for next year because we're already in, mm. in that planning planning cycle for next year and developing OKRs for next year. And uh, so um, the, uh, the the nice thing is the objectives can stay the same, but you can change the key results. And now instead of having, you know, maybe people coming in person for training, you need to change that to say we need to develop digital resources. And, and now we instead of starting campuses, uh, excuse me, instead of starting groups on our campuses, we've got to rethink how we we got to go 100% digital with our groups. So it has required uh, a paradigm shift. And, and, um, and I, I, w- I wish that, um, that you said pivot. So I'll, I'll use the word too, since you, <laughs> uh, you know, I would love for us to have done that faster. I think um, initially we thought, okay, this will be a couple months and, uh, and then it'll be back to normal. And, uh, yeah. and that's another one is what's the that. new, the new normal is another cliche, right? That you keep hearing. Yes. Yes, but yeah, I think that's what it has helped us do is realize um, the objectives not, don't necessarily change, but the key results uh, can can absolutely be changed uh, and and adjusted to you know current conditions. Right. Yeah, that's very good. So, uh, kind of a slightly different uh, topic, but in in this neighborhood, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the teaching alignment. So, um, you know, as you've noted, uh, there is this kind of false perception that all multi-site is about video and that it's kind of like that's the only way to do it and that's just simply not the case there's a a number of churches you know like yours brentwood that is doing a great job with localized live teaching um how how do you assure alignment ensure alignment on that side while having individual voices what does that look like you mentioned a kind of a monday conversation what else happens on that front i do think that is uh, probably one of the uh, my favorite things about how we do multi-site. Um, and in my role, uh, I've worked with, uh, in the past, in these past few years, have worked with the campus pastors. And as I hired each of them, as these campuses got launched, seeing their unique wiring and bent and how that connects with their community. So that campus I mentioned in East Nashville is very different from the other campus I mentioned, uh, who was trying to reach that certain part of town. Uh, and that campus was our Franklin campus. Those two campuses are not interchangeable. I couldn't just pick up those campus pastors and swap them one Sunday and say, this is your new role because the the, the community is so unique. And so their preaching is going to reflect that too. And, mm. uh, and, and in that case, we've got the sermon calendar, as, as I mentioned, that's planned out in advance. Our preaching team actually just had their, they had a two-day preaching retreat uh, last week, mm-hmm. where they sat down and dreamed and planned and thought, what do we feel like God is calling us as as the shepherds of our congregations to to share with them? And they came up with, uh, I don't know if the whole year uh, finished, but they've blocked it out. The big rocks are in the jar for what the preaching calendar is going to be for next year. And then mm-hmm. uh, they don't have a script that they go off of. I know I've talked to some churches who do live preaching, but they'll have a different campus pastor kind of write up the outline. And so, yes, you can, you can have some, um, some way of making it your own, but you kind of have to stick with these three points. But in our case, we don't, we don't do that at all. We do have a research assistant who provides lots of background information, articles, some theological research and some other things like that. So that gives them a head start on their sermon prep. And then they can take that and go whichever direction they want. We've got some guys who are more storytellers. And then we've got some who are a little, not quite verse by verse, but they have a little more expository flavor to them. And that's totally fine. And, and, and again, that fits their congregation. And so they have the freedom to then take the content. You, you have the, the theme verse and the big idea behind it, and then you go with it. And so they do meet every Monday and they talk about what's coming uh, the, the Sunday ahead. 
Um, sometimes they'll do a Skype call on Thursdays and kind of just catch up and, you know, what's, what's the best illustration you found so someone else can steal it, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, but it actually is in some ways a band of brothers where they're in that together. They're honing their craft uh, and it's iron sharpening iron. And in our senior pastor, of course, is, is in there. He's he preaches at our Brentwood campus. And so uh, he's really um, uh, able to mentor and invest in those guys and, and give them some some direction and, and they can learn from him as well. So I think it's a it's a really diverse group of of guys with different preaching styles. And that's what makes it stronger. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, I know I often think, um, you know, communicators in that that seat, the 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 seat of getting up, you know, not quite fifty two weeks a year, but for the bulk of the year to get up to communicate. Oftentimes, they find that's a pretty lonely seat to be in. They find themselves in a pretty lonely spot. And the fact that you've been able to develop a community of communicators, um, I, I think, would propel forward all their gifting because they, you know, like you say, they're, they're as iron sharpens iron. They're, they're helping each other out. They're in each other's corner. Uh, they're headed in a similar direction, not necessarily the same direction. They're not being handed a script and said, just stand up there and tell a different joke at the beginning. Um, it's really the whole process. And so I just think that's fantastic. I think that's a, a great model for churches that are listening in and for leaders who might be thinking I'm resistant to doing multi-site because I don't think video is the way to go. That is not the only way to think about uh, multi-site for sure. So that's uh, thanks for giving us a little right. bit of insight into that. Michael, is there anything else you'd like to share before we kind of close it down and let you get on with the rest of your day? Well, if I can give any encouragement, as I said before, uh, we are all in this together, but the good news is in, in these unusual times we find ourselves in, nobody has it figured out. And if you, uh, right. if you get the, get, get a whiff of somebody who thinks they do, then you go ahead and run the other direction. Um, and so <laughs> I think true. that allows us to have a certain amount of humility and, um, and, and acknowledging our own limitations and weaknesses. And that I think really puts us in a place where God will, will truly use us where I think if you've uh, done this a while and you've had your education and other things, and not that this, this is unseminary podcast, you don't have to go to seminary, <laughs> but you, you tend to rely on those things over after a while and you kind of get your rhythm down and you, I kind of know how this is going to go. And I think the beauty of the season that we are in as a church is we don't, we have no idea. And it, not that God is any more in control than he ever was, but we ought to be a lot more aware of it. And that's okay. And, uh, it, and back to your comment about the questions you got every, every, every time for those 10 months of a podcast, it comes down to multi-site is control versus freedom. And, and in this point, we have very little control of what's happening. And so, um, it's okay to feel that way and it's okay to be overwhelmed. And if, uh, and if you don't have a community of other, other pastors or leaders to be a part of, uh, do your best to find that because you'll discover everybody else in the same is in the same boat. We're all, uh, just trying to listen to God and to his, to the leading of his spirit. Um, and that's okay. And so, um, I, I am, uh, didn't love it at first, but I've kind of, uh, I've kind of learned to, to enjoy it. And so, um, I, I've, uh, I've, I'm actually kind of enjoying this season, even though it's, it's a little bit hectic and chaotic. Nice. Well, Michael, I really appreciate you being on the show today and taking time out to help us. If people want to track with you or with the church, where should we send them online? Sure. The church website, brentwoodbaptist.com. Uh, and that'll take you to any of our campuses. If you want to check out, uh, if you're really into preaching, you might want to watch the same sermon from different campus websites and even just see what the yeah. customization looks like. That's usually what I, uh, that's usually what I tell staff that we're going to hire to check out. Uh, for me personally, I'm, I'm on all the normal platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Michael Volbata is the name. Um, I love talking shop. Uh, uh, I nerd out on organizational structure, multi-site, all that stuff. So 
Uh, I love it. Um, I actually love it when churches call. I, I should be careful here, but I enjoy it when um, <laughs> when I get a chance to uh, talk that kind of stuff through with churches. And uh, and we do it fairly often um, because a lot of other churches have helped us over the years, and we've we've learned from their mistakes. And if other people can learn from ours, then uh, well, that's uh, that's more service to the kingdom. That's great. Well, thanks so much for being on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.